Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. screen today so you'll have to struggle through but we do have um, the scriptures that we'll be looking at this morning as we look at uh, and continue to study in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians uh, before I start there um, this uh, Saturday I came down here to Turn on the air conditioning and uh, found on the floor the, the directory of the churches. Uh, it's a little booklet about that tall and about that thick. Uh, the, the newest or the one I had was a 2005. I had that at home and I ordered one some time ago. It's, it seems like it's been almost a year ago. <clears throat> but anyway, we got the new one. So I, I, I looked at it, and it looks just like the old ones. But I wanted to tell you about some of the numbers in it. And this, this is the directory of, of uh, churches, the um, Churches of Christ in, instrumental, and the Christian church is also instrumental. It's the group that, unfortunately, uh, differ, uh, separated from the Churches of Christ, the non-instrumental which is a little larger group, but they're shrinking at, a, uh, at an alarming rate also. But in, in 2005, this is number of congregations in the United States and Canada. In 2005, there were 5,500 congregations. In 2020, there are 4,850 congregations. Uh, listed in there. Um, and that's a loss of about 650 assemblies. <clears throat> as far as people go, uh, in 2005, there were 1,243,000 approximately. Today, 1,230,000, which is a loss of about 13,000. Now, in 15 years, how do you suppose the population of the United States has gone? Is it on that? Is it that ratio, or do you think maybe it's going the other direction? Oh, we have many more people in 15 years' time. So we have a, a huge decrease. Now, one thing I will notice uh, that I have noticed in this book, um, some of the mega churches that were our Christian churches. They've changed their name somewhat. I, I think they still are, but <clears throat> uh, a number of those, um, I don't believe they're listed as far as their numbers. Don't see it. 
And I don't know, if you don't give a number when you send your thing in, they don't have a number to count. I notice there's a number of them that don't have a number. But all the churches listed are there, but not every church lists either. So there's probably always been more churches than that and more people. But this is just showing a ratio of the ones that do this on a regular basis. So in case you think that there isn't anything to be done left as far as evangelism or or representing the, the truth of God's word, um, there's plenty of, of work out there to do. Maybe it's a societal thing. Maybe it's a cultural thing in America. Because um, America used to be considered a very strongly uh, Christian country. Um, but it loses out more and more every year. Um, year, a few years back, I heard that Australia, which also was, had been considered a Christian country for many, many years, have actually dropped off to where now they're, they're not considered an over, overwhelming Christian country. They, there are other things that have replaced it. I don't know what those other things are. Nonetheless, these things need to be done. Um, so within our lives as Christians, uh, we need to remember that not everybody knows the truth of God's word and the truth of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the topic of the passage today that uh, we will be looking at is still resurrection. I think it has been for the last three weeks or so. The topic is resurrection of the dead, but uh, there's lots of other things that are used for illustration and examples that the apostles are using to show, um, uh, I call them great truths that are also presented in these verses. But they come to, they help to us understand the, the things that the apostles saying, his examples, his illustrations. And I think that makes the resurrection more understandable. Um, the Bible teaches us about what resurrection is. Now, you know, a little point of grammar. In the New Testament, resurrection is normally found as a noun. And that's important. Uh, the idea or the, the, the verb form of resurrection, which is actually the actual encounter of someone uh, standing up, as the, the Greek word gives us, to stand up. You were dead, and now you stand up alive. Um, that's the verb idea of it. But mostly we're talking about the resurrection as a noun, as an event. Or in the case of Jesus, where he said, what? I am the resurrection. See, that's the source of resurrection. All right, and we can start with verse 20, 29, where we left off last week, the apostle's plea, I call it, and that plea is to have faith in the resurrection. So I was thinking of a, you know, the challenge most people say, prove to me there's a God. And you can always say, well, prove to me there isn't a God. 
Mount Pointer kind of, there, there's no way to go with this, friends. You can waste your time with that if you want. But with the resurrection, do you know anyone personally that's been resurrected? Well, you, you know, we can't even answer that question, can we? We know by faith that the resurrection is a reality. And we have, of course, the eyewitnesses of resurrection when it comes to Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord himself. And this is the apostle's plea. It's by faith. And if no matter what it comes to, friends, if you're looking for a scholarly paper or position that you can stand on, unless at the end of the day, you have to say you hold that view through faith. And that's really it, isn't it? It has to come through faith. Hebrews 11:6. without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's enough first of the verse. That's only half of it. We don't have to go much further. You need to read it all, but that's a true statement. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 29 through 34. And this is what it says. This is an interesting topic we'll look at this morning. Seeing what shall they do who are baptized for the dead, if the dead do not rise at all? Why also are they baptized for the dead? Now, see, that was the, that was the problem in Corinth. There were some teachers or people there that were saying, there is, the resurrection, you know, is past. It's over. Apparently they were saying that Jesus was raised, but no one else is going to be. Now that was a false statement, but nonetheless there, were, there was a question. It was bothering the church. Let's read on through 34. Why also do we stand in peril every hour? The we there refers to the apostles first. Every day do I die by the glory of you that I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. If after the manner of, of man with wild beasts I fought in Ephesus, what the advantage to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not led astray. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Awake up as it is right, and sin not, for certain have ignorance of God. For shame to you, I say it. The apostle didn't have much respect for the teaching that the resurrection was not to be, obviously. He spent a lot of time here, as we are, looking at the resurrection. Verse 29, the first one I read, has two parts that must be considered. The first is, if the dead do not rise at all, we have to think about what that means. Now, I think some of these were excluding Jesus from that, saying there just won't be any more. But that's not the case, because if, there is, if the dead do not rise at all, then even Jesus did not rise again. 
That's what we learned a couple of weeks back. If the dead do not rise again, then why are we baptizing into them? Or, as the text says here, for. The word, uh, the word actually is more correct, baptizing for them, um, because that word for is, a, uh, uh, is not the word that we use, that we read about in the scripture like Acts 2.38. Uh, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That word for is ice in the Greek. It means, uh, it means exactly what it says, uh, for the remission of your sins. Uh, it doesn't mean uh, anything other than the fact that it is the, uh, the preposition tells us where we're at. It's the removal of our sins with the word ice there. Um, here, we have the idea of this, this Greek word is the word hooper. That's usually translated by in our Bibles, which is completely wrong. But this is hooper. And, and in the genitive form, you can use the word by, but uh, normally it's not. So it, it, by would be wrong. But here, they've got it translated properly with for. For the benefit of you see, for the sake of. We're, we're talking about baptizing for the benefit or the sake of them, that is, the dead. Now, who do you suppose it was being talked about here? Who were Christians being baptized for or into? Christ, that's right. That was the thing. So let's look at Romans 6, 3 through 8, and you're going to find um, the answer if you want some sort of a, uh, a very clear formula, uh, apostolic teaching concerning this idea of baptism. And the apostle says to the church in Rome, are, and these people were Christians, they had already been baptized. He's refreshing their minds. Are you ignorant that we, as many as were baptized to Christ Jesus, or into is the proper word there, to his death, into his death, were baptized. We were buried together then with him through the baptism into the death that even as Christ was raised up out of the dead through the glory of the Father, so also we, in newness of life, might walk. For if we have become planted together to the likeness of his death, so also we shall be of the rising again. That's the word for Greek word for resurrection, as we call it. This knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin may be made useless for our no longer serving the sin. And if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. I'll stop there. It goes on and on in the same vein. I believe, you know, this scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 29 is much debated. 
we have a large denomination that does a whole lot of baptizing for the dead, as they call it. Um, they are baptized in proxy for somebody else, uh, which completely destroys the whole concept of of person that is converted and is is obeying the gospel and want to become a Christian and want to be part of the family of God, they are baptized into Christ through being immersed in water, which is uh, figurative of the burial of Christ and the rising again as we're brought up out of that water. The rising again to what? Walk in newness, newness of life. We're a new creation in Christ at that point. So how would it be that you could baptize for someone else? Seeing as though this is, all of this, including your baptism, your confession, is made personally by you. No one else does it for you. No one can force you to do so. You do this willingly with the hope of salvation. So many have misused the concept. And this, of course, this baptism he's talking about refers only to the baptism in Christ and the one that has been converted and wants to be within the body of Christ. And that's how we arrive at it. We know the word baptize has been much mistranslated uh, because um, you've ever heard the phrase, the, the a mode of baptism, <laughs> which sounds silly. If you try, you can't apply a mode of baptism to the Greek because baptizo or, or, or the different forms of Baptized, both nouns and verbs, all refer to being immersed in water, period. There's a different word for pouring, sprinkling, or in, in one case, a church in St. Louis I heard of used uh, rose petals to baptize you some, somehow in their, in their estimation. There's not a mode of baptism. There's immersed in water, as the New Testament shows, every baptize, every one that was baptized, and then everything else would be counterfeit. It's it's just just it's it's the Bible, and we have to either go by it or say that we're we're smarter than God. Do we have another way to please God other than what He has told us? I don't think so. Be not led astray, He says. Well, why not? Christians can be led astray, can't they? Yeah, they can. Be not led astray. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Uh, a lot of our translations use character there, and I think that's uh, that's a um, that's also a phrase from the Old Testament. Um, but it's a good one. Wake up, he says. This, this idea of there's no resurrection is a falsehood. And he wanted them to wake up and do what's right. What's right? Listening 
to the teaching of the apostles of Christ and believing it as they did before when they stood on it, obeyed the gospel, were baptized into Christ and were added to the family of God. Sin not, for certain are ignorant of God's ways, and he said, I say this to your shame. I don't want to say that. But there's an ignorance among you, apparently, on this idea of, um, of uh, resurrection. I just, I just think that is incredible. Um, I think he's put forth a wonderful argument here. And as far as the, the uh, word and the act of um, resurrection. But he goes on to touch on another, another point, because it wasn't good enough to deny the resurrection. If, if you said you believed in the resurrection, then they would have another question for you, such as, it's in verse 35, but someone will say, how do the dead rise? In other words, Prove to me that the dead rise. Give me the, the formula. Give me, tell me the technical way that that could happen. Because I've never seen it. And what's he say in the next verse? Unwise thou. In other words, this was not the right question to be asking. This was not a, a right thing to be saying. Verse 35 through 41 says this. But some will say, how do the dead rise? Unwise thou, what thou dost sow is not quickened, except it may die. And that which thou dost sow, not the body that shall be dust thou sow, but bare grain. It may be of wheat or some other. And God does, doth give to it a body according as he willed, and to each of the seeds improper its proper body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, another of flesh of beasts, another of fish, and another of birds. And there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but one is the glory of the heavenly, and another that of the earthly. One glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star from star doth differ in glory. And I'll pause there. That phrase, what thou sowest is not quickened. The word quickened we don't use in our vernacular any longer, but it simply means made alive. Quickened is made alive, except it die first. He's talking about seeds, right? I mean, anyone who was a planter understood the idea of the of the of the way of the way of things when it comes to uh, seeds and growing. They, that's the germination, and and um, it died, but it it came back different, didn't it? And all the illustrations about the mustard seed and the the seed of the oak tree and things like this. I mean, just think about what the seed produced. But it needed to die 
that it would be quickened and made alive. That was a really good answer for the idea of how, how do they, um, how do the dead rise? Well, here's the thing. If you do not die, and by the way, when you are baptized into Christ, the old man dies. The old man of sin dies. And you rise, as the scriptures say, you rise anew. In newness of life. A new creation in Christ. That's the process. That's why I say that when, we're, when you're a Christian, when you have been baptized into Christ, you are living in the resurrection. How do I know that? John chapter 11. Jesus explained the resurrection perfectly concerning life and death. He says, I am the resurrection. And then he goes on to show and to say what it means. And at the end of it, he asks, Martha, do you believe this? And that's the question we need to ask ourselves. What do we believe about the resurrection? Let's look at John 12, 23 and 24. John 12, 23 and 24. And Jesus responded to them saying, the hour hath come that the Son of Man may be glorified. Verily, verily, I say to you, if the grain of the wheat, having fallen to the earth, may not die, itself remaineth alone. And if it may die, it doth bear much fruit. That's, that's, the, that's the, the, uh, the Son of God. That, that all things were created through him and for him. You think he knows what he's talking about here? And so, when he says and talks to us about resurrection, we need to believe him. <clears throat> it is God who supplies the bodies, just as he wills. Because we can't do this. We start worrying about it. Well, you know, if I die, what's going to happen to me? Uh, you know, there's a whole, there was a whole fear that they used to call soul sleeping. Am I going to be conscious for centuries in a box? You see how, how that fear, that's a fearful thing, isn't it? But it's not true. Would God do that? Of course not. All flesh is not the same. Bodies differ, earthly, heavenly, sun, moon, and stars differ one from another, but all have their glory, just as God has ordained. We were not consulted on these things. We only know what is true, and we, we believe it, we take it by faith, or we reject it. But we're certainly not going to be able to define it any further than what the Scripture gives us. Now, these facts we must know, and we can know. We can understand these things in that way. And, and we need to try to, because, you know, a lot of people have a real question about the resurrection. The virgin birth of the Messiah, resurrection 
of the same Messiah? Is there a God? You know, all of these questions, they're real questions. And you can say they're bad questions, but I'm going to tell you they need and deserve an answer from those that believe. We need to be able to do that, to help somebody over that. It's a real obstacle. But remember, once they see the truth, once they have an opportunity to see it, hear it for themselves, study it themselves, God has given them the ability to believe, if they will. So let's, uh, let's move on. For 42 to 49. I'm going to finish these verses. 42 through 49. So also is the rising again of the dead. It is sown in corruption, that is the body, and it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. So also it hath been written, the first man, Adam, became a living creation. The last Adam is for a a life-giving spirit. But that which is spiritual is not first, but that which was natural. Afterwards, that which is spiritual. The first man is out of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord, out of heaven. As uh, As is the earthly, such are also the earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are also the heavenly. And according as we did bear the image of the earthly, we shall bear also the image of the heavenly. There's a lot said there. You know, the, the, the foibles of the human body are a great concern of those contemplating the resurrection. Because we know the weaknesses and the issues of the human body. Uh, they have a very limited ability. I mean, how long have we been trying to strap some things on our arms and, and fly, you know? didn't work. How can I live uh, for eternity or time without end in this body? Well, you can't. That's the point. That's the issue. And a lot of folks are very, they just stop right there, and they can't go any further. And I understand it. I sympathize with it. But you cannot, because remember, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's, that's the very next verse in this uh, section. We're not going to read it today. If God can make us to live with him, time without end, without time, live forever with God in the kingdom of God and be present there in, a, in the spiritual body, then he will supply that body as well. If he can make us the 
eternal being that we are, he can also supply a receptacle, spiritual as it is in some way, um, as well. Now, please note, you know, we had nothing to do about, and nothing to do, nothing to say about the body we have now. Nor do we have anything really to say about the body uh, that we will have. God. These things are provided for us. And then there is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. There are both. Now, that's another point of breaking. If you believe in nothing spiritual, as in the time of Jesus, the Pharisees were believing in the heavenly host and the spiritual promises of God, and the Sadducees said there is nothing spiritual. This is it. This is all there is. We got the law. We've got the temple. We've got all these things. But don't talk to me about the heavenly host or spiritual things. They just didn't accept it anymore. That was a problem for them. They were not believing God's word. We have a natural body. There is a spiritual body. Both. They, have, they both have a purpose within the will of God. They both have a purpose. I mean, there's a practical purpose, but I'm sure there's more purpose than I can imagine. The first man is out of the earth. He's earthly, Adam and Eve. They were earthly, out of the earth. Very, they were very good. They were the jewel of God's creation. They were called very good. And if you're very good in God's eyes, you're, you're in a good place. But they were earthly. They were made from the dust of the earth. The second man, as he is known, is out of heaven. He is the heavenly. Jesus of Nazareth, virgin born. And that's why it's so important. Because the Jesus, the, the entity, the spirit that is the Son of God, lived within the body given by Mary. That's why it's so important. Now we see, now we understand there is a spiritual reality. There is a physical reality. Put them together, and you have Jesus of Nazareth. A man bears the image of Adam, earthly, in many ways. So, we can also bear the image of the heavenly. Christ. Go back to our baptism. Go back to it again. Baptized into Christ. Born, reborn as a new creation in Christ in newness of life. You resemble the Lord at that point. That's why it's so important to keep the Christian to keep themselves pure of mind and heart. Now, I would suggest, I'm going to pause here. It goes on, but we're not going to today. We can and should consider these things as worthy of our uh, deliberation. Um, 
They have a historical nature. They have a spiritual nature. But they also have a human nature. All of it is there. And we have to be able to put it together and say that this can be one. Just as Jesus of Nazareth was purely a man, as the Greek text clearly shows, this was a man, but he was the Son of God, his spirit, certainly. God spoke of him from heaven. He was a man, though. He hungered. He felt pain. He was tired. And he could be crucified on a cross and his blood shed to forgive our sins. You see, when you can, when you can believe that, then you can understand the resurrection. But all of it, all of it comes together and it's all, all of it, through faith as far as we're concerned. Those would be my words today as we come to our time of invitation. Our Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.